Hello, welcome to the monthly Skill Bite Show, where we share information that is geared to helping you succeed in your business. This is Judy Weintraub, CEO of Skill Bites and host of this show. If you want to position yourself as an expert, one of the best ways to do that is to become a published author. Skillbytes author platform provides the easiest way to get a book written and published. Today, our guest is Anne Convery. Anne has helped authors and business owners pitch their book or their business for over 21 years. She blends neuroscience and storytelling for book, for book pitches that bring immediate attention from producers, publishers, agents, podcasters, and audiences for fiction and nonfiction books. And Anne has spoken over 150 times in the US, Europe, and Mexico. Today, Anne's gonna to talk about how to pitch your book to get radio, TV, and podcast interviews. Anne, welcome to the Skill Bites show. So delighted Thank you. to be with us. Thank you, it's a pleasure to be here, Judy. Thanks for asking me. Can you start off by telling us how did you get involved in this industry? Oh, that's that's a funny story. Um, uh, my husband is a, um, a, a runs a PR company for has for thirty years, and he had a client who was a, a, a the CEO of an a very famous herbal um, medicine company, and she was supposed to go on NBC the next morning, and she had a she kind of had a minor nervous breakdown. She was, didn't want to go on. She said, "No, no, cancel it." And the producers got mad, and and I said for no particular reason, I said I can help her, and I rented one of those old video cameras, and I went up to her estate in Malibu, and I worked with her for two hours, and at the end she said, oh sure, I, I'll go on, and then she looked at me and she said, you know, you should do this, <laughs> and my second my second client, my a friend of mine knew uh, Richard Reardon when he was running for mayor, and and she said, oh I booked you tomorrow at four o'clock, and I said, don't you dare, I've never done this before, and she said, no, nope, you're gonna see Dick tomorrow at four. And he liked it, and so I just never, I just never stopped. I've, I've trained the thousands of people. It's been fun. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. And I guess that was quite a while ago. It go. was. And the funny thing is that the one, the number one thing I discovered really quickly was that the story that my, my, um, my clients wanted to tell was never the story that the producers and the audience wanted to hear, and that became apparent. And so I had to help them get their three most important points in while serving the needs of the editor and producer. Basically, just, you know, how do you give great TV while getting your point across? And when I turned it to business, which I have a marketing business, it was, I, it was floored me, but it's the exact same thing. Business owners pitch their business, but that's not really what anybody wants to hear. <laughs> so how do you pitch it so you get a response? What is it that editors and producers want to hear? What's in it for me? What great story do you have that's going to make my audience tune in, stay in, not drop off, ask for more, ask for you again, call in? Um, how do I please my boss? How do I make my producer happy? How do I make my managing editor happy? Because you're, you're such a great story and I found you. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot different from this is what I do. Yes. It's a lot different. Yes, it is. So you coach people and trying to come up with that story or how to. Yeah. Yeah. Story. Because it's, it, you, you always want, I mean, I, I don't like his politics and he's dead and I don't like him. Roger Ailes. We all know who he is. 
but he did write a book called You Are the Message, and it's the best book on media training I've ever read. And he said, um, you know, you have to, and this is what my husband swears by, you have, you have to help them do their job. And um, so I always ask people, what are your three most important points? And they could be, they could be phrases. You know, they could be just half a sentence, but you do want to get them in every time you're interviewed because you want people to begin to recognize you by your message. But th then you have the whole rest of the interview, which is to, which is to tie your, your points into great stories, great visual, interesting stories that if they're listening to the radio, they can, they can hear it. And if they're reading it, they picture it. And if they're on TV, if you can do anything visual, if you can demonstrate something, if you can bring on a client, if you can hold up something you've invented, anything visual is great for TV. Right, not so great for radio. So you have to use, I guess, visual language. Visual language, exactly. And, and the funny thing is that the authors that I've been working with lately, um, they, they will say, I say, what's your book about? And they'll say, well, the arc of my main character has a very strong narrative uh, pull. And, and I will say, you know, that's wonderful, but that's academic language and it's abstract and we cannot see it, eat it or kill it. You know, and if we can't do those things, I said, picture, picture us listening to you, your interview. And I'm a mom and I've got three screaming kids and the dog's barking and I'm traveling down the freeway at 40 miles an hour. And I, and I need, and I'm interested in you, but I need to really remember what you said. How might, how that's, how's that going to happen? And there's a reason Time Magazine is written at the eighth grade level. It's so that we can take it in without too much work. Mm -hmm. um, but the main point is, I don't want to get too far astray, is that you, we have to help. You have to help the media, and, and it's all, they're all different, do their job, deliver a great story. Right. So how do you get somebody to identify that story? How do you pull um, it out of them? I'm sorry? How do you pull that story out of them? Um, what if it's nonfiction? I will say, you know, what are your three most important points? What do you want to? What do you really want people to know about you? And we will work on getting those so that they're short, but they can be delivered. And um, it depends upon your story. Be the most important word to remember is be flexible, because if you insist, we've had people in the PR firm who insist upon, no, I'm just going to talk about this or I'll, I'll only go to Oprah. You know, I'll only say that that's ridiculous. Um, if you are what, find out what stories, say you're pitching radio, a radio show. What, what stories do they use? Do they use topical stories? Can you tie your, can you tie yourself into breaking news? Do you have any celebrity names you can tie it into? Or can you tie it into current events? Because when the media looks at press releases, that's what they're looking, that's what they scan for. They don't read press releases, they scan. Because it's right now and it's happening now. And, and can I use those stories? If, if it's not, which is why we don't use press releases as much, it's a harder story. So um, to find out how to, how can you tie, can you tie your story into anything that's going on currently? Um, are there other stories out there that are like yours where you could say, here's another angle to that? Um, uh, because you won't pitch the same thing every time. You'll, if, if, it's, if it's to women's magazines, if it's to uh, talk, radio talk shows, if it's to um, you know crime crime novelists or, or crime shows, if it's to national TV, like you want to pitch the Today Show or Good Morning America, you're you're, you're going to have to tailor, you're going to have to tweak what your what your what your what your personal story is to their needs, and so. Um, it's not one story. That's, again, that's the problem with a press release. It's that they're just that's just one story that's being sent to 
women's national, local, regional, you know, all kinds of things. And it's not going to fit. It's not going to fit 90% of those outlets. So you have to tailor what you're doing to what they want. So you have to come up with the best angle for yeah, exactly. the audience yeah. that you're going to be presenting. Yeah. I'll give you an example. Um, one of our account execs a long time ago was pitching a dentist, a, a, a um, cosmetic dentist. And she pitched it to, I think it was Allure or some great women's magazine. And she was pitching it to the beauty editor. And she said, you know, he's invented a new, I'm going to make this up. But he's invented a new method of uh, porcelain veneers and the, it, they go on in two hours. They last for 10 years. They're brilliant, whatever. And the answer was, we did teeth last month. Now that, from the editor's point of view, they did teeth last month. They're not going to do teeth for another 12 months. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So she didn't give up. She said, okay, how about um, the one fruit children shouldn't eat because it causes really bad cavities? And they said, well, I don't know. What else have you got? And she said, all right, um, how about toothbrushes that actually uh, remove the enamel? So she just kept going with the pitch. Now, she went back to the dentist, and he said, well, I want to talk about porcelain veneers. And she said, yeah, but this is Allure. Do you want an Allure credit? <laughs> do you know what I mean? And of course you do. Um, we had a woman who ran a nursing home, and she nobody would accept her the, the initial pitch because they said, that's the kiss of death. Nobody wants to know about old people. So she, was, she got in the New York Times three times because it was about sex in the nursing home. It was about the little dog that lived in the nursing home and gave goodnight kisses to all the residents. You see, so if the more flexible you can be with your stories, the more media you will get. Yeah, that's great. That's powerful advice. And it's not just um, being flexible in terms of who you're before, but being flexible in terms of what you're going to talk to them about. Yeah, yeah. And there are many, there's so many, as, as I said, you know, the, the media scans, uh, I think we had a little... Uh, interference there the media scans releases for is it is it uh breaking news is it celebrities um or is it uh you know topical is it for example is it any, anything you can say about COVID-19 right now if you can tie your what your message into anything cocooning um recipes you can do at home um marital relationships during the the isolation anything you can tie into um here's another take on that that's that's very topical. That's right now, and you can pitch that anywhere. Um, uh, if it's local, I think I don't, I don't want to get off the point here too much. But if it's local, you want to you want to be very very sure that uh, make 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 take advantage of the fact that I'm a local and I'm a, I'm a hometown girl. I've got a story. You know, I grew up here. Um, I wrote this book about whatever, and um, uh, especially if you're doing fiction, this is great. You do go, be sure to go to your hometown and get a lot of hometown press because you can, and it's it's good press. And also, media begets media, and I'm sure everybody knows this, but once you have what we do all the time is we will get small magazines to start out with, and then you go to a, a bigger outlet and you say, well, they've already been in in magazine and online this and whatever that, and then the, then the media is interested because that means oh you're newsworthy. So don't ever think, oh, that magazine's too small. Um, Ariel Ford, who's one of the greatest um, PR people in the, in the country, was talking about Deepak Chopra and, um, oh, another very famous guy. I can't remember his name right now. And she said, they were my two best clients because it didn't matter if I asked them to do a local radio show with 400 listeners. They would travel in their station wagon and they would do it. They would do anything they were asked to do. And that's how you build a media resume. Um, our, our woman with the nursing home, 
she did any every single local media if it um, that she was asked to do. And after two and a half years, I think she had a list of three hundred media outlets she had been in, and she got a fifty thousand dollar book contract. So another another thing you can do is there are calendars online of it's it's National Toothbrush Day, you know, it's it's National Love Your Boss Day, it's National Be Kind to Your Cat Day. Uh, look up those calendars because that helps the media a lot create a story. What they're looking for, as I said, you know, of course, is a story. And you, if, if you give them a story, they're happy because other, if you don't, if you just give them the facts, then they have to create the story. And that means they have to work and they don't have a lot of time to do that. So it's, you, you help them so much. I don't need to talk too much, but um, on my answer, but. Okay. So you have to help them. You, you help people develop that uh, that angle mm -hmm. in order to, to make the pitch. How do you get them? And they start with their, their local programs. Mm -hmm. um, and then how do they get into the bigger ones? Um, the same way. There's, there's no difference between pitching local media and national media because national media is local media, really. I mean, everybody reads, you know, Bloomberg. Um, but um, you, if you have a topical story, you should pitch national media and local media at the same time. But if you're pitching local, use your local, use any local information you have. Um, I was born here. I grew, I went to such and such high school. In other words, you're a local, you're kind of like a local hero and you, you know, your hometown, your hometown and um, tie in whatever local ideas you can or facts to your pitch. If it's national, then you just go for this is this is uh, about COVID or this is there really isn't much else to talk about right now. But you know there's so many angles to COVID that if you have an interesting angle, go for it right now. Go for it. Okay. Now, when you're doing a pitch, um, my understanding is that it helps to have a a really powerful one or two sentence description. Mm -hmm. uh, can you talk about that? Yeah, it's like a log line. Um, one interesting thing, it's fun to do, is um, go to Amazon and look up the books and go to uh, movies, Google movies, and there's always a one sentence description. It's called a log line of the movie or of the book. And um, it's just interesting to see how they get it into one sentence. And it's, um, you may think, my God, I can't possibly explain it in one sentence. It doesn't really have to be one. It could be two. But it's simple. If someone says, you know, what's your book about? You want to be able to tell them in a way that they can digest it easily in one or two sentences. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it might be very simple. Like, a, um, um, I don't have one in front of me, but um, a man, a, a woman finds that her child is missing. and um, the search leads her to uncover, I'm, I'm making this up, the search leads her to uncover um, a whole side of her family she never knew she had. I'm just making that up. But, I mean, that's, that's the essence of what happens in the story. Mm -hmm. And I'm not telling you the ending, but I am telling you, you know, I'm giving you the, the idea. And yeah. that makes you really boring, but it, it gives me a real solid grasp of what it is. And you're creating intrigue. And I'm creating intrigue. It, 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 intrigue is... In, that's that's when I do media training. We create as much intrigue as we possibly can, <laughs> and you also want to do that in your pitch. You want to make it. Uh, you can for podcasters. Um, you know the the uh, the the secret reason behind um, 
um, um, I'm making this up again. Um, the, 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 the hidden reason behind um, marital fights in isolation. Now, it's, it's really kind of like those letters you get in the mail that say, the ingredient in your, in your spice cabinet that removes stains. <laughs> but it's, you're teasing people by, by wanting them to open that envelope, so to speak, and say, well, what is it? Um, the, uh, the three reasons that um, 401ks, uh, the, the, the real reason that the, the, the founder of the 401ks is wants them, wants them demolished or wants them eliminated from the financial landscape. Um, make me want to know why that's going to happen. Uh, the, this, the secret reason, this, the, the myth behind the hidden, the hidden factor, three keys, uh, the, also the number one reason or the number one secret or the number one myth works really well. Anything that's number one, this is neuroscience. Um, three, uh, three, way, you know, three ways to revive your marriage during isolation three 10 minute ways to revive your marriage during isolation. So that means it's, they're only 10 minutes. It's going to be easy. I don't have to work. <laughs> I'm married. I'm in isolation. I want to know what they are. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know you do a lot of media training. What are some of the other things that you help people with during their training? Um, oh, I, well, I help people with, uh, oh yeah. Segways. If we, we get your three most important points and you may get a host and this does happen. Um, say you're talking about uh, three 10 minute uh, hacks to, to deepen your marriage during isolation. And number two is, I don't know, but number two is baking together. And so say you have a host who gets completely wrapped up in baking together and wants to talk about baking for the next 20 minutes. And you're sitting there thinking, well, why aren't we talking about the rest of my, <laughs> rest of my book? They're running away with it. What am I going to do? And time is, time is wasting. And then, then they go, well, thank you very much. It was good having you on. And you think, oh no, they didn't ask me about this. And that's very, that can happen, you know? And so learn the art of the segue. And the art of the segue is they ask you about baking and you answer the question, you say, well, you, you, you give a good answer. And if you sense that this is getting out of, out of hand, you say, you know, you answer the question because you, you help them do their job. And then you say, you know, but you know, one thing people really don't know, do you know the most surprising fact about this? Do you know that the real, the hidden reason people don't do that? Do you know that one, one thing I really want to stress, or there's something I'd really like to get across to people, and this is important, you're segueing. You can use all of those phrases to bring people and bring the interview back to what you really want people to know if you haven't told them yet. And it's really important to, to, to know that you can do that. Um, cause then otherwise, cause if you do a radio interview, you actually have about four minutes and 32 seconds of talk and it goes by like a blink of an eye. Yeah, that, that's not very long. It's not very long, no. And you again, not even long enough for one point, much less. I know. So that's why you, you can get your point. You can get you can, your point can be your point can be a phrase. Doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a, a paragraph. It can be two, three phrases. Uh, the other thing is a cliffhanger, and um, the reason people, the reason, uh, the first of all, the reason for segues, or the second reason for segues is that people have said, well, there was very funny. We we had a, a guy who was a 
revered specialist, a back doctor at the Hospital of Special Surgery in New York. And he was interviewed and he was very indignant. And he said, well, they knew nothing about my subject, which was something nobody could understand anyway, right? And you know, we said politely, well, no, that's because the reporter probably read the press release in the cab on the way over or on the subway. And you're, you're the 10th interview they have this week. And no, of course they don't know anything about your subject. You know, so they might not ask you the right questions. They're not there to help you do your, they're not there to help you do your job. They, they're there hoping you're going to make them, give them a great story. And so you have to help them do their job, which is why, you know, you also want to segue. It's, it's, it's a dance. You want to help, you want to help them do their job. So you meet the media's needs first, and then you want to get your own points in because media is very powerful. And the more media you get, the more powerful resume you have and the more impressive it is. Um, so that's another reason to segue because people say, well, they didn't ask me the right questions. Well, they're not going to, <laughs> you know, you have to kind of help them. So the second thing is cliffhangers. When you're on a radio show, especially, or TV, um, sometimes I would train people and they would, they sit in the back with their, because they're scared because everybody's scared, right? You sit and you press, you press yourself into the back of the chair. So you're kind of disappearing into the seat and you, you wait to be asked questions like you're in a, at an exam. And it doesn't make for a very good interview. An interview is like a great dinner conversation. You, they, they throw the ball over the fence, the conversational ball, and you throw it back to them. So one thing that's kind of like trick, but it's really cool. You can create little cliffhangers. You can say, um, for example, um, let's see. Yeah, the, uh, the best way to cook spaghetti, I'm just making this up, you know, the best way to cook spaghetti is to, uh, actually that old trick of throwing it against the wall to see if it's done really helps. However, um, that can really backfire on you and then you stop talking. So that's a cliffhanger. So the host gets to go, really, how can it backfire? <laughs> so you're actually giving them their next question. But that's fun because you can, you can, you're helping them. You're having this wonderful conversation rather than a, you know, a question and answer a Q&A, an interrogation. Great. So give us some more of those cliffhangers that uh, we might want to use. Well, um, it's, it's, it's uh, germane to whatever you're talking about, but you might say, um, cliffhangers, for, for example, um, you, you, tell, you, you say whatever you're going to say, and then you say, and that's when the real trouble started. That's another one. Or you can say, and however, I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, or, well, you know, my hero, Jack, gets up to the top of the mountain and he, um, he gets, he finds the, the treasure, but then all hell breaks loose. You know, so you, you're, you're giving a real juicy tidbit so that they can pick up on it and say, what happens next? Which is the cliffhanger, which is what you want. And you can use as many of those as you like because they make for a great interview. Yeah, I can see how the producer would be very glad to have questions like or statements like yeah. that. That yeah. it's a natural follow-up for him or yeah. her. Yeah. No matter how familiar they are with your subject. Yeah, and they're not—they're really not going to be. Um, you know, uh, that their job is to be a great host. Their job is not to be an expert on epidemiology, you know, or romance novels or whatever. Their job is to be a great host and give a great story and know how to get a story out of you even if you have to be even if you're a wooden poke and you can't talk they have to they have to do that and that's their job so how is it different 
pitching to TV versus radio versus podcast and, and how are the interviews different? Um, well, the, the pitch, uh, you really want to get in the pitch, say it's like two short paragraphs in an email and you pitch and you, you know, you know, the radio show, you, you target maybe 10 media and you know what they, what they like. And you say, you know, I think this would be great for your audience. Or I think this would make an interesting story for your audience. You make it very clear that you're trying to help them. And then you do your pitch. Um, um, how do you keep kids entertained for eight hours a day during isolation if you have to work? You know, now, people are doing that, but saying um, uh, three, 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 to, uh, three ways to keep kids uh, entertained if you have to work during isolation. Um, whatever I'm just making this up but um, and you you and you say I think this would be uh, th this 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 will cover um, the, the, the biggest the biggest problem the, the biggest the biggest the number one thing children want when they're when they're at home with 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 their parents the the um, I'm, I'm again I'm making this up but you you make it tantalizing with what is the number one thing they want um, the three ways kids can cooperate with you without even knowing it. What are those three ways? Numbers are catnip, I love numbers. And then you include all this in your paragraph and you say, I think this would make a great story for your listeners, for your audience. And um, so you can really pitch print or radio or TV the same way. The, the, the thing to know is that radio is either immediate or a few weeks if they're gonna record it. Ma magazines like a woman's magazine it has a three to four month lead time so you can't pitch anything topical and online is usually immediate and breaking news is immediate so that's really the difference you have to know the timelines of what you're pitching uh, but the story itself the, the 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 main difference is don't pitch romance to sports illustrated <laughs> you know i mean that's obvious but people don't get it people think um well, my story is my story. I, I, when Oprah was on, you would you have no idea. When Oprah was still on her show, every single client we ever had in the PR firm for twenty years said, first words out of their mouth, "I'd be perfect for Oprah." Now, you know, a it wasn't true, and b we would get people on Oprah a lot, and it wouldn't pull as much for them, perhaps sometimes as um, as another talk show. This is very interesting, but everybody was convinced that all Oprah has to do is hear my story and the doors will open. And you have to get out of that. That's a really kind of small mindset. You have to see yourself in, in light of, I'm a story to them. What, how can I be the best story possible? So your pitch really differs honestly in, in what they want. What, what, what are they covering and how do you, where do you fit in? And that's when you have the best possible chance. Right, you have to do your homework. You have to do, do your, your homework, you really do. Yeah, you really do, yeah. Oh, and uh, did you ask me about the with the um, the interview? Yeah, how, how the interview differs as well. Oh well, um, the interviews can be really different. If it's print, it's nice because you have time. I mean, they're going to edit your story, so it's, you have time to talk. You know, you do want to still want to keep it concise because they might pull out a quote of yours and put it in the the box. You know, at the at the side of the page, and you want to make sure you. You don't really have any control over that, but you you really obviously would want to make sure that it's the quote you want pulled out, right? So if you can get 
a really good, concise two or three quotable things to say to them that makes them laugh and entertains them, they, they'll probably pull out that one. They'll probably keep that in. And um, again, I would say to get the three most important points that you want to get across, to make them into uh, amusing or fascinating or shocking or interesting, very short stories, so that you want to be quotable. Uh, you're, I always say to people, you, what you really want is to have somebody at the end of the day say, do you know what I heard today on the radio? And it's you, it's your story. Um, and it's, it differs because on radio, it's, I've, and I've done this myself, um, I was on a talk show radio and I was gonna talk about media training and they had read the wrong press release and it was a really fast talk show, really fast. And the host was, he had four guests and I was one of them. And I was in a hotel room in New York doing this. And he zipped around to me and he said, okay, now we have Anne Convery, expert on Chinese foreign policy. <laughs> he said, so Anne, what, are, what is the Chinese import sector interested in this year? <laughs> and I had three seconds to answer him. <laughs> what did you come up with? I said, I, I, no, I honestly don't remember. I, I said, um, you know, whatever. I, I, I was so stunned. And I, I went, um, uh, the most marketable commodities they can possibly find. And I said, thank you very much. And he goes on to the next one. So that's kind of like trial by fire. But that's how, you know, that's how, that's how fast radio can be. If, it, if you're on a talk show, that's how fast it can be. You know, so I would practice. If you're going to go on radio, I would, if it's not, if you, if you know that there are five minute segments, practice with your friend because, and time it. You know, uh, if you can ask, if you can send questions, which would be ideal. So then they ask the questions, hopefully, that you sent. Um, if, if they don't want that, then um, have your, get your three most important points and see if you can get them in in the first two minutes. If, so they, if you're going to be on with others, then yeah. I would expect that you would know who those others are in advance? No. No. Huh. no. Maybe. You can turn to the person next to you and say, well, that's an interesting question, Joe. John, how, do, how would you expect that? You're the expert on. Yeah, but remember, I was on radio. So I was on the phone in New York, and this guy was in LA, and he was a you know shock jock TV hot DJ guy. And, and again, his job was to make a great show. And obviously, he'd read the release or somebody said something, because by the next time he came around to me, he asked me the right question. He asked me you know, a question I knew. But I mean, that's that happens all the time. It, I mean, don't, I don't want to scare anybody, but you know, when you, what I don't want people to. This is the whole point of media training: practice, practice, practice. Because you don't on radio, if they they will say, "Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you." And you're you're in mid sentence, and you're like, "What happened? I didn't get any." You know, and you don't want that to happen. So think of it as a think of it as a movie trailer. Think of radio as your as your perfect movie trailer. And be prepared for the unexpected. Yeah, and be prepared for the unexpected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, what else can you share with us that um, that somebody who's got their book and wants to get some media attention um, should know about so that they can be more successful in getting the pitches and and giving the interviews? Um, the most important thing to remember: well, there there are several. Be flexible. Absolutely, number one, know who you're pitching. Be figure out. Do not pitch. Do not think my story is perfect for everybody because it's not. It isn't. Um, you wouldn't go shopping in, in in a hardware store for a bathing suit. You know, uh, 
there, if, if you're writing romance, there are, there are romance outlets, target them. It, it, you know, that's easy. If you're genre, that's easy. If you're nonfiction, figure out as much as you possibly can. How can you tie your story to a celebrity or to breaking news? Because you have a much better chance. Um, and also, you are not the story. And most people don't realize this. You know, when I sometimes, often when I train people, uh, I work with people, they will say, uh, I'll say, you know, what's, what's your three most important points? And they'll say, well, I want everyone to know that I am a passionate writer who wants to make my characters come alive in the minds of the reader. And, and like nobody, I mean, like, I hate to be, you know, but duh, we, I would hope so. You know, that's, that's not a point that's not newsworthy. It's not something the media can do anything with, you know? Right. So, so remember that you, you are not the story. You have stories. You can, you, you have a talk show you really want to get on. You know, they do topical stuff. You think of 10 angles you can use. And if you, and you pitch the first two, and if they don't work, you pitch the second three and four. You don't, don't give up. Um, but be flexible and work with them because that's really your job. If, to, and that will get your book where you really want your book to be everywhere, right? So the more you work with the media to help them do their job, which is to give great stories, and if you can bend and flex, I, mean, I, don't, I don't mean turn yourself into a pretzel, but if you can be flexible with, I don't, I'm a doctor, I don't, typical, we had a plastic, we had a, a famous dermatologist and he was, conquering a certain form of skin cancer and we got him a shot on I think it was the Today Show or some huge outlet about sunscreen and he was he was really mad and horrified he said well how, I don't want to talk about sunscreen and, and we said yeah but it's the New York Times yes you do <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> because when that's on, when that's on your website nobody's going to know you talked about sunscreen they're just going they're just going to want to know oh my god he was important enough that the New York Times wanted to interview him that's the gift of media and if you can realize that and work towards that that's the that's the you, you've got you're giving your book the best possible chance you can great yeah wonderful advice okay so i want to um wrap this up a little bit with some fun questions mm -hmm. don't mind mm -hmm. uh, what is your favorite childhood memory oh well oh well the first one that came to mind was we had a boat my daddy had a boat and we, we parked it in a, a boat marina. And my brother and I, this was illegal, but we were six and eight years old and we used to go out at night. And I don't know why my mother let us do this. And we went crabbing. And the crabs used to, big blue claws used to gather underneath the light. And this was the most exciting, thrilling thing in the world. And we would spend hours dipping our nets down to try to catch the blue claws. And I don't, it was just, it was wonderful. It was just, I've never forgotten that it was wonderful. Well, my guess is your parents did know you were doing that, but. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they did. <laughs> but right. to us, it was daring and naughty, and we loved it. What is your va your favorite vacation spot? Oh Lord, I don't know. Get in line. It would be a cross between any scuba, any good scuba diving spot in the world, um, Tahiti, um, um, the Red Sea. I'd love to. I'd love to dive Puget Sound in winter. I, um, Turks and Caicos, uh, Cozumel, and Paris. I love Paris and the south of France. Yes, so, I love Paris you. as well as the south of France, but yeah. Uh, yeah. there's definitely better times to go. I think I oh, took yeah. my husband there at one point. Uh, he'd never been, and I told him I, I had built up the city so much. Mm -hmm. 
and we were there at the end of October, beginning of November, and it was crappy weather. Oh, <laughs> no. Why do you like this place? <laughs> oh, no. Okay, that's not the right way to go. Well, one thing that people don't know, I, I discovered the catacombs of Paris. Have you ever heard of them? I have. Yeah. We went. We went. And in the 17th century, the graveyards were spilling out into people's cellars, and everybody was horrified. So they built the limestone quarries, and they put all the bones there. And the resistance used that as their headquarters during World War II. And you can go down and see these, I don't know, a million bones. Wow. And it was, it's amazing. So hmm. little known side of Paris. Okay. Well, last question for you. Finish this sentence. When I retire, I will be living where and doing what? Um, when I retire, I will be living, I will have uh, a house in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, which I love. Um, if this is really a fantasy, I will also have a flat in Paris and a small house in LA. And I will be writing books and plays that will be produced in New York. Well, I love that. Um, I'm not too far from Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. Valley yeah. Forge. Valley Forge, exactly. Okay, yeah. Well, my ancestors, like they were Quakers, and they came over in 1706 to Lambertville. Wow. And they surveyed the land, and the Indians taught them how to fish with nets. And my family's been there ever since, and I think it's gorgeous. It is. Well, so it's Valley Forge. Is. Valley Forges. If the house that you fall in love with happens to be in Valley Forge or Chester County, then... Wow. Beavers. Okay, great. Okay, so just to wrap it up, um, why don't you let people know where they can get in touch with you if they want to follow up with you? Sure. Um, this is my, my marketing company is called Speak Your Business. So my main email is ann at speakyourbusiness.com. That's ann at speakyourbusiness.com. And if you would like to check out probably better for you to check out prforwriters.com. That is um, our PR firm and that's where I do my media training. Okay. And your Ann is A-N-N. -N, uh -huh. Yeah, that's, I'm sorry. Yeah. A-N-N. -N, yeah. And prforwriters.com. Yeah. Very good. Well, Ann, thank you so much for being on my show today. I really appreciate your, uh, your expertise and learned a lot. Thank you. This was a great pleasure and great fun. Too. So thanks, Judy. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah.